Bitcoin DMZ episode 12. He is William Quigley, who's sitting somewhere in Santa Monica, California, and I'm Ken Rakowski, uh, kind of close to him, but not sitting next to him. We are Coin DMZ demilitarized zone when it comes to crypto and tokens and everything around that, and we're here with you once a week. And William, boy, has our numbers have just exploded when it comes to listeners. Pretty amazing, I've huh? Seen that. Yes, I've been seeing that. That's terrific. I'm glad what we're saying is useful to a lot of our listeners. We got a lot we're going to be talking about today. And uh, before we dive into this, I just want to go over to the tiny little island of Iceland. Have you been to Reykjavik? Have you been to Iceland? I've been to Iceland. Yes. Yes. Uh, Helsinki. No, that's Finland. Oh, then I haven't <laughs> been to Iceland. <laughs> they they all look Iceland. the same. No, they don't. Yes. It's it's fascinating because, you know, it's a, a, a geothermic uh, energy source for the entire island. So they use uh, the, volca the volcanoes that are underneath and the hot water to actually power the entire island. Beautiful island that literally has its own unlimited power source. Ah, when you hear that, what do you think of? I think of, I don't know, Bitcoin mining at efficient costs. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happens. If you really look at what's going on in Iceland, it's one of these golden opportunities where you could be utilizing massive, massive server space so it can be cooled by the cool air and you have this geothermic environment uh, running all these server farms. And what I'm reading now is there is more energy going into crypto mining than powering the actual homes in Iceland. What? Yep. This does not surprise you? It uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. This is one of those uh, comparisons that people love to do that that maybe don't make all that much sense, right? I mean, it's there's lots of things we could compare the uh, the energy used for Bitcoin to, um, but you know the 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 market cap of crypto dwarfs the uh the gdp of iceland right gdp oh, yeah. absolutely 20 billion dollars or something annually um so uh you know cryptos are are about 500 billion right now in value not all of those are mineable coins but a large percentage of them are so yeah i'd say it's not that surprising um and this is a, an efficient way to to mine it's better than doing it somewhere where we've got to burn fossil fuels right no you're right genesis mining is the company you got to watch out for they're pretty impressive michael i think his name's stern or stain or whatever he's the guy that runs this and he's this overnight multi-millionaire because he's the one that runs these massive server firms in Iceland. Just something fun. I thought it was interesting. And when we come back, William and I have a lot to talk about. We'll talk about how IPOs are a bit sluggish. Could it be because of ICOs? Telegram raises $850 million. What's going on with this next iteration of Bitcoin? Lightning might have something to do with it. And the FCC has got some issues with certain Bitcoin mining equipment. Let's look at cryptocurrency hurting astronomers. What's an ICO? I think we all know. Is it different from a PCO? Yeah, like I said, we also have a listener email. That's what's happening right here on Coin DMZ. We'll be right back. <laughs> well, 
Glenn Quigley, Ken Rakowski, CoinDMZ, episode 12. We're here to give you what's going on within the crypto world, and literally it is a world type of phenomenon. I know, William, you've been a venture capitalist for a long time. When did you start in the whole VC world? In 1860. <laughs> no, come on. Come on. When, did you, when did you really start? 1995. And people need to understand, the formula is... If you have a hundred companies you invest into, how many of those will be successful You where you actually make money? You might make money in about uh, a third of them to half, but make money meaning you get your bacon back, not much else. Uh, if one out of 10, you made multiples of your money, that would be great. And maybe one out of 50, you make uh, 10 times your money or more. Wait, one out. So you're saying out of 100, two of them might be yep. the big payoffs. Yep, yep. And even those numbers at times, uh, depending on the, you know, the period of time you're in, if the IPO market is open or closed, you may, you may, 10x may not even be possible. And that's one of those exits is an IPO market, being a, an initial public offering, a venture capitalist is hoping or did hope at one point in time, that's where they're gonna get the big payoff is getting that's that company the, Right, I mean, the IPO market is, is the, doing an IPO is the way to get a massive, massive win, a massive home run in your, on your original investment. It's possible to do it by selling the company to another company, but those do tend to be smaller. Not many companies, for instance, could afford to buy Facebook at $100 billion, which it's what it went out at, right, in its IPO. Yeah, but, but there are certain IPOs that you and I sit back and watch and we scratch our head. Snapchat, Blue Apron, these companies, you know, very, very lackluster performance. Yeah, that's true. And sometimes you've raised so much money and your investors have waited so long that you just say, okay, it's time we gave some liquidity to these investors. And liquidity, you'll hear this, me and, and Ken talk about this a lot. Liquidity is so important. Liquidity just means the ability to sell your investment so you can get your money back and then some and do something with it. And if you're stuck in an investment and you can't sell it, you know, it starts to feel like it's not very useful. So IPOs are a great way when when the IPO window is open, they're a great way to sell some or all of your holdings in a particular investment and do something good with the money you get back. If you go to 2014, what did the IPO market look like in the United States? It didn't look bad. There were probably 270 or so IPOs which is pretty good. Now that's down from the ultimate heyday that you and I were uh, involved when it, with Ken back in uh, 2000, 2000, where there would be 400 plus IPOs wow. a year, but 275, maybe $90 billion of capital raised in 2014. You know, you go to 2015 and it was off by a large amount down to about 170 companies that went public and only 30 billion raised. 2016, down again, 105 IPOs and 18 billion. And then last year, half of that again, 56 IPOs in the US, 16 billion raised. So in a span of what, four years, you, you've dropped like um, almost 80%. And uh, 
that's tough because it's not like there are fewer investors waiting to get liquid on their investment. They're still waiting, but the IPO window, the trends that allow you to take your company public haven't been as favorable in the past couple of years. So what happens then with a VC or anyone that put money into this where they're trying to look for finally to get some type of return if the IPO market doesn't look like it's favorable what's where where's the cash out well it's really tough and you know we could dedicate a lot of time to this but we don't have it but I'll just say this you you uh, the nice thing about the IPOs is it's something the company can do itself what i mean by that is it can make a decision we're going to try to take our company public when it comes to getting liquid other ways like selling your business well you kind of got to get some other company to take an interest in your company and make you an offer and that sometimes is really hard it's 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 not always easy to convince another company that you're a really important strategic asset and so ipos have always been a great way to control the timing of your liquidity and the fact that there's fewer and fewer of them and fewer capital being raised as part of them is troublesome. But it's also the reason why people like me are so interested in ICOs. Because so, once again, you can do it yourself. If we look at, again, 2014 of those 275 IPOs in the United States, I'm seeing at least one, maybe two ICOs a day. Globally now, this is globally, so we're at least going over 600 ICOs a year. It looks like this is where all the newfound wealth and money direction is, is on the ICO front, isn't it? I think it is. And, uh, of course, it's very, very early in the uh, kind of even in the crypto world. You know, crypto's really only been around since 2009. Uh, ICOs really only hit mainstream last year, so this is still relatively new. And I, I don't remember the exact amount. It was about three billion dollars raised in 2017? Small, so very yeah, small so compared to the IPO market. Yeah, it's small. Having said that, lots of companies are considering this path, and uh, you know, you compare the number of companies that did an ICO last year; it was in the hundreds versus 56 IPOs, I think it tells you that there's a lot more attention on what you can do with a, with a token uh, as, uh, uh, as you would sell in an ICO versus you know, the traditional IPO route. So let's talk about an ICO that's going on right now. Telegram, which of course is the, I guess, the platform for communication amongst many of these uh, uh, these crypto companies, they love Telegram more than anything, right? That's the communication platform. Do you agree? Yeah, I would say it it, it, it has been. I mean, people were using Slack and people were using Skype, uh, Discord for video gamers. But right now, Telegram seems to be the place. It's like the go-to place most people want to go to when they uh, want to talk to someone else in an ICO. Well, it seems like even all the market makers and all that are on Telegram. That's where they're at. They love yeah, Telegram. Yeah. So tell me about Telegram since it understands now what its path is, and that is for this crypto market. They chose to do their own ICO, and it looks like this is the biggest ICO yet to have, have happened so far. Right. I mean, EOS has been doing a daily ICO now for, what, six or, six or seven months, 
And uh, it's probably raised about as much in its daily ICOs, which will last until I think June. But Telegram in one fell swoop raised 850 million in its what we call a pre-sale, uh, which is uh, certainly the largest pre-sale ever. Mm -hmm. to, to put this in perspective, uh, Ethereum raised $18 million in uh, in its ICO. There really wasn't much of a pre-sale. It was like three phases of a sale, but, but Telegram raising $850 million, I mean, this really uh, makes a statement about what is possible from a capital raising standpoint with cryptos and with ICOs. And, and of course, this is just, this is just um, the prep to the 1.2 billion that Telegram is going to raise in addition to this in its main sale. So when you, again, would fund a company as a venture capitalist, you would generally ask how much working capital do you need to get whatever out, that rev, that platform, your product, your service. You would use that to determine if the raise was appropriate, if it wasn't too high. You know, you would you would do this. This is part you of your due diligence. Forget, yes. So... Yes. Are you telling me that it's going to cost $850 million or a billion or $2 billion for Telegram to make their next REBS? Well, first, let me tell you that that's a very rude question to ask people in the ICO world. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, <laughs> uh, look, there's always a temptation when people will give you more money to take it, even if you don't have it in your business plan to use it. I don't really understand what the use uh, uh, Telegram has for $850 million, let alone $2 billion, which is the total raise they're going to do. Um, uh, they have a schedule that shows, I believe it's about $400 million or so, that is what they will need over the next three years in order to build out their, their global footprint to continue to provide quality you know, services. Uh, services that Telegram is building, but beyond that, uh, what's the other 1.6 billion? It's they've got some information in there, but but it's not it's not that compelling to me. And so uh, it seems to me that they they realize they could raise two billion, so they're going to raise two billion. It still blows my mind that WhatsApp got sold for 19 billion dollars to Facebook with 53 you know. employees. Just 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 remember it was 19 billion it was sold for. So 2 billion seems like a drop in the bucket for another mes messaging platform. True, uh, if you were buying equity. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> you're, if you're buying equity, you're not buying equity, you're buying a token. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So so this uh, this will be sort of a uh, a model that a lot of big companies, big public companies that would like to raise a billion dollars, let alone two billion, are gonna start looking at, and they're gonna start saying to their boards of directors, they're gonna start saying, why are we not thinking about this? But of course, as you and I know, within the, the crypto space, there's always this uh, need to say, if I'm going to issue a token, what purpose does that token provide? If it's a security token, then it's just like a stock. But if it's a utility token, it's supposed to do something. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't do just trivial stuff. It should, if you're gonna raise this much money, that token should be invaluable. And we'll have to wait. 
and see if if it really is. We're just kicking off the week. We're in the uh, third week of February. Bitcoin currently is at $11,244. That's right, 11,000. It's finally over that 10,000 mark again. Market cap is only almost $190 billion. Ethereum's at 946 and Ripple's at 115. Just to give you an idea where things are at, uh, William and I are looking at what's going on in the crypto market. This thing called the Lightning Network. Lightning Network seems to be this next iteration of what the crypto infrastructure is. What is Lightning? Well, Lightning is its a way to make your blockchain work faster, so scale much faster, as those who've been listening to us for the last few weeks know. One of the biggest problems with blockchains is because of the way they're designed, uh, they're very slow. It can take 10 minutes, it can take longer, but it can take tr traditionally in Bitcoin, it's 10 minutes before your transaction is confirmed. So Lightning is a way, a technical way to make the transaction verification process, um, you know, in the blink of an eye. Right. Just in and and uh, and therefore allow billions of transactions to be done per second. This is what we've been waiting for. The very first that I recall, the very first we'll call it big implementation of Lightning was with Litecoin. Uh, and Litecoin used it and said, this stuff works. The technology is is just what we wanted. And now other chains are starting to adopt it. So you know Ethereum and and uh, and Bitcoin, will be adopting it, probably many others as well. And it just does so many cool things, including what we call um, uh, cross-chains, so cross-blockchain transactions at speed. It's, it's a really valuable addition to the technical infrastructure of the blockchain industry. It sounds fascinating, it does. And like you said, it's Litecoin, Zcash, Ethereum, Ripple, they're all utilizing this new technology and it, it's supposed to transform the way we're able to move stuff between one another a lot faster. Well, I, I would even argue that when Litecoin said they were gonna adopt Lightning, uh, if you followed from when they started to chatter about it until it became very obvious it was working, I mean, you see, Litecoin go from a few bucks to a few hundred dollars over yeah. that period. Yeah, but wasn't it also because your favorite wallet on the whole planet, Coinbase, offered it? It's never <laughs> one thing, but that's, yeah. But of course, you can't buy much of it on Coinbase. No, it's, it's, it's limiting. Hey, do you remember when, and I had one of those world phones, those 3G phones when they first came out, the GSM model. That that was the global one. Do you remember? Did you ever get one of those? Not only do I remember that, I also remember three GSM. Three GSM. But do you remember before the phone would even ring, and you're in your car, you'd start hearing that. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, I'm getting a call. It it would have yeah. an interference with whatever frequency that radio in your car was on, and um, I know it was it was a bit irritating, but. Maybe that's and kind of. I never realized when I was at your house and it was clicking that you were mining crypto. I was doing that in 2006. <laughs> yeah, on, on my Nokia N95 phone. Oh, yeah, I was killing it. <laughs> uh, well, interesting you bring that up because, as you know, we've been talking about the, uh, the recent enforcement action by the FCC where it figured out that in a particular type of spectrum, the 700 megahertz spectrum used by, I think is it, uh, is it, which one? It's not Verizon, which- No, which... it's T-Mobile, T-Mobile. 
T-Mobile, yeah. Yep. T-Mobile bought a lot of that spectrum. And T-Mobile was saying, hey, we're getting a lot of interference and we're not sure why. And uh, they started to narrow down the source of the interference and it was coming from a mining operator, crypto mining operator who was using, I think it was Antminer equipment. And uh, this is fascinating to me, probably you too, Ken, because um, if any of you people out there have ever looked on the back of like a calculator or a phone, sometimes you'll see a little notice like it's been FCC has issued a license and it's approved this, this particular device being sold. Right. And that actually is a pretty good, a pretty good thing because uh, equipment emits, emits uh, RF, emits radiation, and that radiation can interfere with other networks. Actually, then, it's radio frequencies. The RF, I think, is radio frequencies, not radiation. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, it's a, I think it's radio, yeah. radio frequencies. And the idea is, if it says FCC approved, it means it's been tested, so it's not violating the other frequencies. Now, why is this a big deal? Well, you're probably getting some equipment that might be coming from parts of the world that don't care about the FCC. You're trying to get it in house right away. And there is a good chance if you are affecting these signals of mobile phone companies, you could be shut down. Just be aware of that. Yeah, what I would say to you is a, uh, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a fascinating thing because in the chip world, in the microprocessor chips, ASICs, which are what the mining equipment use, uh, in your main computer, you use something called a GPU. And ASIC is designed, it's a, it's a chip designed to do just one thing. And uh, these chips would normally go through several years of testing uh, before they would be you know, sold into the market. But because of the way the crypto world works, they go from the fab to being in equipment in a matter of a few weeks, not a lot of testing being done. And as a result, things like how much, uh, it's actually the non-ionizing radiation I was referring to, how much, how much of that RF noise interferes with other legitimate services. Uh, if no one's testing that and you're powering up those chips to, to do what they need to do to make as much money as you need to, um, then you're going to wind up interfering. Uh, and of course, I think this source of this interference was in New York City, where you would probably expect there's a high concentration of cell phone users. Uh -huh. So they would be very likely to notice something going wrong. It's funny because out here, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Group out here, they were always looking at massive amounts of electricity being utilized to grow cannabis farms. And now they're seeing all these massive amounts of electricity spikes being used to run mining farms. It's, it's, I just think it's interesting to see where electricity moves from different areas. Where the biggest opportunities are, that's where the electricity goes, right? That's, that's right. So yeah. right here in Los Angeles, we have something that's very unique. We have some of the top universities literally within an hour's drive of one another. UCLA, USC, uh, Caltech some phenomenal, phenomenal schools. And what's really great about Caltech, Caltech is uh, directly connected to JPL, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is, um, I, I would say, basically a working arm of NASA, right? Yeah, 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 and, that's right. And it sounds like 
astronomers are seeing Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as its enemy lately, not because of the what it is, but because of its resources that are needed to mine it, right? Yes, well, what's going on is astronomers never realized that they would have to take a course in economics, and now they are they are being given a real-world exercise in economics, which is, hey, these chips that they were buying from NVIDIA that do some incredible image processing, very fast, efficient image processing, those same chips have uh, alternative uses, one of which is in crypto mining. The crypto miner, miners make more money than the astronomers are making, even though the astronomers are doing great work. And so uh, crypto miners are buying up a lot of the NVIDIA chips. And you know the, the founder and CEO of uh, NVIDIA even mentioned it in his earnings call, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, he talked about how you know what? Uh, crypto mining has become uh, a legitimate uh, source of revenue, noticeable source of revenue, and a source of demand for their chips. Wow. That's amazing, actually. It's like it's it's a new industry is now where these new opportunities are. I like that. Hey, before we go, we want one other story, and this is all around the idea. We know what an ICO is. We talked about an ICO a moment ago, and we, of course, watch these ICOs. There's this new thing that's popping up called an IPCO, or maybe even known as a PCO. First, if you had to describe to Mama Quigley, your mom walks in and she goes, William, what is an ICO? How do you describe that in a way mom understands? I'd say... It's a way for mostly newer companies to raise money. And instead of taking in cash, they take in these magic internet tokens called cryptocurrencies. <laughs> magic. And, and if you would say it to a, an owner of a business and you want to wow them and give them a WTF, you would basically say you don't have to give up any equity and any rights when people buy these right? Yeah. Although the way I would say it is, the way I would come at it is, um, is there some thing you could do uh, with your customer base where if they had a certain capability, and for instance, they do they trade something, that is there something you could do with those customers that uh, would replace the inefficiencies of money or bank wires? Um, and if you can come up with that, maybe you can mint your own coin. And in the process, raise some money to build that out and uh, and brand it, market it. And that would be, I think, interesting. It is it is interesting to a lot of existing companies. So, so what is this thing called an um, IPCO or a PCO? What is that? Well, you know, people try to put labels on things that, that have been around for a while. But uh, the way I would think about it is uh, we have the sale of tokens and most people generically call those icos though i should say ico really relates to tokens that are sold as securities right that's kind of the direction most people go now you've got token sales which are tokens sold as software and then you've got icos tokens sold as securities a pco um is really a a uh a subset of the ICO or the token sale, and it's really just the pre-sale. So when people buy uh, cryptos in an ICO in a public sale, um, there are also people, usually accredited investors, who get in earlier 
and sometimes get discounts or some other benefits. And uh, that term is generally called a pre-sale. And uh, more and more, to be part of a pre-sale, you have to be an accredited investor. I think it's kind of sad that that's the direction it moves because one of the nice things about the crypto market is it's, it's inclusiveness. You don't have to ask anyone's permission to take part in it. But because different regulators have been exercising a lot of uh, 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 control and saying, hey, we don't want you issuing these in our country or to our citizens, uh, People who are issuing ICOs are getting more careful and saying, all right, we're going to either limit all of it to um, uh, accredited investors. I think that's the case for, for uh, Telegram, right. by the way. In fact, I think the minimum put in Telegram is $20 million. Wow. And then uh, in the, in the uh, smaller rounds, though, um, it's maybe 250000 is the minimum. You have to be an accredited investor. And uh, more and more, I think what you'll start to see with PCOs are the are the pre-sales is you'll start to see people doing um, more novel things. Maybe if there's a, a token that has to do with Hollywood, maybe you have a bunch of celebrities who get in on it Got earlier. It. Okay, yeah, it's it's a novelty that might create enough conversation to move it at least that ICO up to where people are going to be talking about it. That's smart. Yep. Hey, la before we go to listener email, which we'll take a break, I just wanted to say something. Coin market cap, which we constantly refer to, which is better known as the cryptocurrency market capitalization website, which oh, you may not know this, William, is based out of Panama, Panama City, and yep. yeah, and it started back in two thousand and I want to say two thousand thirteen is when that site was registered. Okay. If you ever notice, if you go to the very, 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 very bottom of the site, it allows you to donate in either Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, or Bitcoin Cash. There's an actual wallet that you could click on to do this. I have been noticing more and more of these popping up, even for entertainers that used to use things like Patronet or use different types of crowdfunding tools to raise money. I'm starting to see more and more of these wallets or these links to wallets popping up. And it, yeah, I it, am too. And I, I love seeing great. this. What a great way. You might want to look into this, everyone, you know, get your fans to give you money that way. Hey, when we come back, we have been paying attention to you and William and I have grabbed a bunch of emails, which you're going to read because you of course have some great questions for us. So he's William Quigley. I'm Ken Rakowski. This is coin DMZ. We'll be right back. DMZ, William Quigley, Ken Rakowski. We are every single week. Next week, I'll be joining uh, us uh, from Barcelona, from the Mobile World Congress, which I'm anxious to see if these mobile communication companies are starting to think crypto is important. We'll find out. I'm actually hanging out with uh, Will I.M. and John Legere from T-Mobile. They're working with me on a panel. But hey, Quigs, uh, I want to talk about some listener email. Let's get our email, because we got an email bag going. Let's get the music going. letters we get a lot of letters so William uh, I'm gonna read one you read the next one let me read the first one this is coming from Craig from San Francisco uh, let's see are the two of you aware of any 
colleges or universities that are teaching classes on crypto? Uh, I, I don't know any. Is there anything out there yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got the online courses like Coursera. I think they have a lot, right? I think they have a Yeah, but accredited, like an like accredited. Is there uh, any accredited there, out there? Absolutely. There are. I'm not sure how helpful they would be, but I mean, I think, sure, I, I would I would say virtually every university is offering something. I mean, UC Berkeley has a bunch of courses. Um, um, uh, Duke University, I know I've seen stuff there. Oh, wow. uh, uh, NYU. So there are universities and colleges are starting to realize that we need to be teaching something around this. They, there are, and then you have like uh, academy and some other um, the online uh, like crypto focus schools. Yeah, the online stuff. Uh, oh, oh, George! By the way, George Mason, I know has a uh, has a um, a pretty good course on just uh, the technologies around blockchain. So tons All and right. tons. What's what's our next email? Who's it coming from? This is Stuart from Auckland, New Zealand. Okay. He says, Hi, Ken and William. On episode 11, you talked about reading the peaks and valleys of Bitcoin to know when it's hit bottom. Will that work with other coins? Hmm. Yes, it will work with other coins. The key here, though, is to be able to easily get that information. And so it comes down to today, it's kind of a pain. Today, if you want to know, and if you haven't listened to this particular part of episode 11, uh, this may uh, be uh, new news to you, but it's a way to identify when maybe Bitcoin is either, or let's say Bitcoin for now, is either hitting a bottom, meaning there's probably not going to go much lower in price, or it's hitting a high. And one of the ways you could do that, of course, is you could ask everybody who is interested in cryptos, hey, at this low price, are you interested in selling anymore? And when everybody tells you no, then you would know, hey, probably the price isn't going to drop much anymore. But how would you ever be able to talk to everybody? You really can't. But what you can get close to is something um, uh, called a market depth chart. And a market depth chart is a, uh, uh, a graph that most exchanges have uh, 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 information on that will show you uh, how many of the uh, people who are trading on that exchange are interested in buying, let's say, Bitcoin at different prices. So back when it was falling from 20,000 and then it took a breather at 10 and then it went from 10 to six, mm -hmm. when it was dropping, my uh, partners and I were looking very closely at these market depth charts. And what we noticed was there was a ton of demand to buy Bitcoin below $6,000 and there was very little interest on the part of sellers to sell below that amount. Well, that told us couldn't drop much below because there was going to be no one around. Think of it like when you when the housing market starts to collapse, as it's done a few times in the last 20 years. At some point, homeowners just say, I'll just wait, right? And when uh, the sellers go on strike and they say they don't want to sell anymore, that's when you know probably it's a safe time to get back in. Uh, next week possibly i might be able to talk about some uh, new tools that will be coming in the next call it six months that will allow people to get not just the information about market depth from one exchange but from 
all or most of the big exchanges all aggregated into one chart. Wow. What a tease. That's for next week's show. We'll make sure that happens. Hey, by the way, our new email address is hello, H-E-L-L-O at coindmz.com. That's if you want to get email to William and I for questions. Next question is coming from Midi from St. Charles, Illinois. This might sound like a stupid question, but what's the difference between a token and a coin? What's the difference? Is there? Well, yeah, what you've seen, if you go to CoinMarketCap, you can see how they analyze it. I don't know if you're there now, Ken. Yep, I'm there at the top. They tend to break it down. I've always thought about it this way. All the family of, of, uh, of cryptos that are on the Bitcoin blockchain tend to be called coins. And uh, if it's got a um, smart contract in it, it's called a token. Now, somebody I'm sure is gonna say, that's not technically correct, or it's more than that, but that's, that's mainly how it's organized. Keep in mind, these terms uh, are all made up, right? And so they kind of become what emerges out of a group level thinking. Uh, but that's why if you, uh, sometimes somebody will say, oh, my token is a top 10 token. You go to CoinMarketCap, you don't see it. Well, that's because they're in the token tab, not the coin tab. Last question. And yeah, William, I'll read it. It's coming from Paula from Athens, Greece. It says, here in Greece, the government keeps talking about leaving the euro and going back to the drachma. Would it be wise for me not to keep my money in a bank, but to move it all into a crypto huh. account? Well, first of all, uh, can't give you perfect advice on this, but I will say this. It is not an either or question. Yeah, uh, first, yes, keeping all of your money in one fiat, where that fiat is run by a government that has not been very disciplined in the last 30 years, uh, I think you'd be wise to get exposure to different currencies, uh, USD if you can, Euro probably you can, um, and then putting it into cryptos, I certainly would. Not all of it though, because that would be way too risky, but maybe take some fraction, 10%, 20%, and put it into cryptos because you can use those cryptos as currency across the world. Not everybody takes them, but enough people take them that it's it's really useful. And I'm guessing more people would want a good crypto than a, a nouveau drachma. What do you think, Ken? I have a bunch of drachmas from like the 90s that I can't use anymore, which I wish I could. So, um, I, I, hey, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'd rather go all digital, all next generation, but you and I are early adopters to everything. Everything. Yeah. I mean, look at, look, at, look at the hairpiece you have. You were the first to ever get that. You can pull me across a swimming pool with <laughs> you that. You could, and it looks good. So, hey, like I said, every week we're here. I appreciate William taking out his busy time to do the show. You should also and understand what he's doing by going to Wax. Is it Wax Token? Wax Token. Wax.io. Wax.io or Opskins. That's where he's at. Give him some love. Find out what they're doing. Uh, hey, I'm easy to find. You know where we're at. It's hello at coindmz.com. That's where we're at. Episode 12. We're bidding you adieu. Thanks a lot for hanging out with us on Coin DMZ. DMZ.